Good afternoon. Good to see you. Great to see you, Dave. It's wonderful to be with you as always. Let's, uh, anything new as far as, um, University of <clears throat> Dallas, any, uh, additional information about the plans for the fall or what, how are things looking? You know, things, things are looking good. We're planning to open up in the fall and have on-ground classes. Um, we've had a lot of students enroll in our online offerings over the course of the summer, but we're eager to um, do what we do so well, which is to run on-ground classes come this fall. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're looking at, at tinkering slightly with the schedule to, yeah. um, Finish up a little earlier and adjusting the Thanksgiving schedule and, and a few other, a few other points. But, um, I'll be sending out a notice about that soon. But, but the plan is to move forward. And we're, of course, taking all kinds of precautions. Mm-hmm. The, the safety of our students, faculty and staff is our, our top priority. Yeah. And, and so we've, we've got expansions to the health, uh, health clinic and, and ways to, to provide for those students who, um, might test positive for COVID-19 and, and who knows, you know, it's, it's hard to predict exactly, but, mm-hmm. but we feel yeah. like we We've got a plan that we can move forward with. All right. We also have a plan for this segment, and you have uh, brought on another wonderful guest who joins us by phone, so I'll put him on the air, and you can go ahead and do the introduction. Great. So I, I'm, I'm really pleased to announce that we have today Dr. Andrew Glicksman. He is an associate professor of theology and a chair of the department from which Dave Palmer received a master's <laughs> from the University of Dallas. He was on my oral comps uh, uh, panel. And, so and, I, and, he, and he somehow let you through. That's remarkable. <laughs> Him, okay. <laughs> yeah, but but yes, Dr. Glicksman is the chair of our our theology department. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Glicksman. Well, thank you, Dr. Sanford. It's uh, a joy to be here. So, you know, what what I want to focus on today is is um, ultimately the the role of of theology in its responsibility to the church, its responsibility to society, and that includes the role of theology within a Catholic education and the, the kind of dialogue between faith and reason that's only made possible when you, when you have a, um, a strong department of theology at a, a Catholic university. Um, but before we get to that, I, I, I think the listeners would enjoy hearing a little bit about you. You yourself are an alumnus of the University of Dallas, and, and I'm, I'm curious whether it was theology that, that brought you to the University of Dallas or, or something else. Uh, yes, it was actually theology that um, piqued my interest in the University of Dallas. I knew coming out of high school that I wanted to study theology in university and I was looking to study at a school with a very strong Catholic identity mm-hmm. with fidelity to the teaching of the church. And I narrowed down my search to two schools, and uh, one of which was UD. Mm-hmm. And um, it, a major draw to UD was actually the Rome program, where mm-hmm. you get to study for one semester in Rome. Mm-hmm. And that really piqued my interest and nudged me further in the direction of UD. And then I made an on-campus visit. And um, during that visit, interacting with the students and the faculty on campus, I really fell in love with the place. Mm-hmm. It felt mm-hmm. like home, like I belonged. Mm-hmm. And I'm still here. I came back. You know, yeah. I left for a little while to do graduate work at Catholic University of America, but I, I came back and I've been a professor in the theology department for about 12 years now. Well, we're, we're blessed to have you at the university. And, and in fact, not only did you study in Rome as a student, but um, you you were in service there for, I, I think, two full years. Um, um, yes. And um, um, that was maybe three three or four years ago. So, um, yeah. yeah. And and that must have been a, a real treat to be able to combine your, your teaching and theology with your great love for the Eternal City. 
Yeah, it was wonderful to first have gone as a student. It, it was really interesting. I went as a student in the year 2000, so the Great Jubilee in 2000, and then when we went back, uh, we were there for uh, the most recent Jubilee. Mm-hmm. And um, what an experience to to go back as a professor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's one thing to go as a student, but to go back as a professor and having all that graduate education under your belt to uh, visit these places again where these great theological thinkers had these great thoughts and to be able to share that with the students mm-hmm. um, is I, I'm I'm ready to go back whenever <laughs> <laughs> there's always a well, willingness there. Yeah, know. we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Dr. Sure, Dr. sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> mean to announce it or put you on the spot or anything. Yeah. <laughs> so so you you specialize in, in scripture and um, That's right. And and um, just just for the benefit of our audience, could you could you describe the major areas of theology? I think when we hear theology, we 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 might think of of the science of God and all that God knows. That's how Aquinas defines the divine science, or what we often refer to as theology now in in mm-hmm. the the um, uh, the sacred sense of theology. Uh, but w- what are the major branches, and and what role does does the study of Scripture have with respect to those other branches of theology? Okay, good. Uh, so, big question here. So, I'd say that there are, and this is debatable, but I'd say there are four main branches of theology, and in the theology department at UD, this is the way we divide up our courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'll list them and then say a few words about each one, and then talk about how Scripture relates to uh, the others. But So, we would start with uh, scripture, so biblical theology, then moral theology, historical theology, and systematic theology. Mm-hmm. And just a few words about each one. So scripture, um, biblical theology, what we're interested in here, um, we try to answer the question, what does the Bible teach us about God? Right? Mm-hmm. Who is he? What does he do? Um, but then also, what does the Bible teach us about ourselves? Uh, who are we, and what is our relationship to God? Mm-hmm. And uh, here we try to understand the Bible in terms of its original context. What did it mean back then when, when the texts were originally written? Uh, but then also, what does it mean to us today? This is a very important question to answer, and how do those two understandings of the text relate to one another? There should be a connection there. Mm-hmm. So what does Scripture mean for the life of the church? That's a very important part of uh, studying the Bible. And then moral theology, of course, is the study of proper human behavior with respect to God and to others. So what is the proper way to act as a Christian? Historical theology would be the study of the truths, the dogmas, doctrines of the church as presented over time, so over the course of the church's history. How has the church uh, approached various teachings over time, its understanding of those teachings mm-hmm. in various generations? And then systematic theology is what it sounds like. It's a systematic, orderly, expounding, explaining of the truths of the faith as we have them today. Mm-hmm. mainly by uh, specific subjects. So not just what the church teaches, but why does the church teach what it teaches? And so this area, systematic theology, brings in philosophical concepts and modes of thought to explain the truths of the faith. Mm-hmm. And within systematic theology itself, self, there are various sub-areas, and I don't want to get, you know, there, I don't want to list them all here, but just to give you some idea, Trinitarian theology Christology, Christian, Christian anthropology, mm-hmm. right? What's the Christian understanding of the human person? Ecclesiology, what is the Christian understanding of the church? Eschatology, you know, what are the end times about the final things, matters pertaining to heaven and hell? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that's probably um, a good 
overview of, of the four major branches. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to your other question about uh, how does Scripture relate to those other three branches, uh, as a Scripture scholar, I take great joy in emphasizing that uh, Scripture is the soul of theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and that expression, soul of theology, is an expression found in many church documents, including uh, the document De Verbum, which mm-hmm. is the dogmatic constitution on divine revelation that came out of the most recent ecumenical council, Vatican II. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Scripture is the soul of theology, what does that mean? It means that it is, uh, it is that which gives life to theological inquiry. And uh, why is that? It's, it's, because God, uh, it's because Scripture is God's Word. Mm-hmm. It's one of the primary ways that God communicates himself to us. Right? Mm-hmm. God reveals himself through creation, through tradition, um, oral tradition, but a lot of that oral, tra- much of that oral tra- tradition has been written down and canonized in a special way through Scripture. So Scripture is part of God's communication mm-hmm. to us. So mm-hmm. um, Scripture is uh, a major foundation of theological inquiry. Uh, all the other theological areas should begin with Scripture as their basis or have an eye on Scripture. Um, but also one of the major roles of scripture scholars is to help scripture to help make scripture accessible to theologians in other areas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be in dialogue with those who specialize in those theological areas and also to learn from those other scholars so i'm not saying that oh those systematicians those moral theologians and patristic scholars they have so much to learn from us biblical scholars and and we don't have much to learn from them that's mm-hmm. not true it's it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we scripture scholars should be attuned to um, the the findings of uh, theologians in those other areas in order to get a sense of the larger living theological tradition and how that living tradition impacts the reading of scripture. So it's a give and take mm-hmm. relationship, or it should be, and and I think that's something that we try to foster in the theological department at UD. That, that's that's a really helpful description. Thank you very much, Dr. Glicksman. I I, I love that expression, that, uh, Scripture as the soul of theology, and I, I guess that helps mm-hmm. to explain in part why the the first course in theology that all of our our undergraduate students take is understanding the Bible, and right. um, and that that sets the foundation from which further studies, including reflections upon the the Western theological tradition, and 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 hopefully uh, deeper. Studies as more and more of them take on minors or concentrations and 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 mm-hmm. majors in theology, they're they're uh, deepening their study of those different those different areas. The yes. the um you know when, when when you think about um the the dialogue between faith and reason in your experience either as a student or how you facilitate that as a as a professor at the University of of Dallas, how how do you you talked a little bit about how uh, different parts of theology are related to each other. How, how is how is theology related to the other disciplines, and and what role does does theology have vis-a-vis driving that that dialogue between faith and reason, if, mm-hmm. if you will? Yeah, I think I think it's best here to evoke the very famous definition for theology, mm-hmm. um, which I think was coined by Augustine. Or I've, I've seen elsewhere, it's actually Anselm of Canterbury, or both. Mm-hmm. Um, but that theology is uh, one way to look at it is fides querens intellectum. Mm-hmm. So that's Latin. In Latin, that means faith-seeking understanding. Mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, if theology is faith-seeking understanding, uh, and by that very definition, we have both faith and reason 
and work, right? Reason by which we seek to understand. Mm-hmm. And so we begin with the premise of faith, a certain belief in what is true, and then seek to understand that faith through reason. Mm-hmm. So the faith, which is grounded in truth, must also then be re- Oh, oh we, did we lose him? We we may have lost him, <clears throat> and and yeah. um, so uh, let me let me see if I uh, which, okay. Are you there, Doctor Glixman? Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll we'll have Sissel give him a call okay. again and, and get him back on the line. But maybe I, I can complete the thought um, <laughs> because yeah. So fides querens intellectum. This that's actually an expression coming out of Saint Anselm of Cate- uh, Canterbury, and and he he does derive it from from Saint Augustine, who who argues that. Um, you know, the wisdom begins with with belief. He says, "Credo ut intellegam." So I believe, so that I might understand. Right. So the the um, the, the the beginning point of faith is not the end of the journey in um, the life of the mind, the life of inquiry. Faith is is a beginning, and uh-huh. it opens up into into grand new territories. And I, I think it's really important to to emphasize just that point because oftentimes. Um, we we hear um, believers described as those who think they have it all figured out, mm-hmm. but it, but in fact, to to be a uh, to be a, a Catholic is is to recognize how much more you have to learn, and yet to have a rooted security in that that theological virtue of faith, that gift that God infuses into our soul, from which um, so much more can be learned. Yeah, boy, I'm glad we have you here, Doctor Sanford, to be able to just fill in the blanks. There, we do have him back, and I, I have a request: if yeah. at the end of this interview, if maybe we could, uh, you or Doctor Glixman could comment on Father Dennis, because I know he was a big part of the mm-hmm. uh, the, the faculty there at the University of Dallas, who you know, passed away recently. I had classes with him, and I know he mm-hmm. taught uh, a lot of scripture classes. So I don't know if, if maybe. You could Absolutely. just say, say a word yeah. in, in, in his memory. So, but anyways, we got Dr. Glixman back on, and uh, we trust you're here. I don't know what happened. Yes, Dr. I'm Glixman. here now. <laughs> I really don't know. I, I apologize. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know. We, uh, I, I'm assuming that Dr. Sanford had a better answer. Than me <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, know if it was if it was better, but I but I I, I do think we're ready to move on, and 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 okay, and, and I do I do want to um, explore a little bit. So. Sometimes we think of of the work of education as though it's it's somehow separate from the work of service to the culture, and I, I think that's wrong. I think education is fundamentally a matter of culture formation. Where in in our our efforts to teach our students and to teach them well, we are preparing them to live flourishing lives, lives in service to to God, to their country, to their communities, and and that's by virtue. Of the formation that we provide, but there's there are also additional ways it seems to me in which theology bears a, a responsibility and and theologians themselves bear a responsibility to 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 give good witness to the the magisterium and at times you think particularly of a moral theologian to to um, um, to engage in reflection upon um, controversial moral questions that are mm-hmm. um, um, part of the, the the fabric of contemporary debates. Um, how, how do you understand the the relationship of of theology, or or perhaps we should say theologians, to to the church and to society? Mm-hmm. Well, theologians, and you know, here I'm talking specifically about Catholic theologians. Catholic mm-hmm. theologians, I think, are ultimately in service to God and to His Church, and mm-hmm. so uh, the main role of a theologian is to expound or explain the truths of the faith to make them relevant 
for each new generation. Mm-hmm. Each uh, generation needs to rediscover the truths of the faith and make them their own mm-hmm. to make them relevant so that the community is, uh, the church is better able to understand and to live the faith in their own day. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this means to come into a deeper understanding of God uh, in each new generation, uh, which is ultimately what that means is to come into a deeper love for God and a deeper relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, what, what, you, you just made this, um, you know, a distinction between knowing God and, and loving God. How, how do those two fit, fit together? I would say that the more we know something or someone, uh, the more we come into, uh, the more we love that thing or person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about St. Augustine here, and when he talks about, you know, that which you think about, right, is what, where your um, efforts are pointed towards, and that's mm-hmm. what you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more that we have... We're contemplating God and have God on our mind and God on our end, the more we love God. Mm-hmm. And the more we love God, that's deepening our relationship with Him. Okay. If we're deepening our, rela- deepening our relationship with Him, then we have a more of a desire to uh, serve Him mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I would see that. And so it all comes down to, again, to know, love, and serve God. Those three things are intimately connected. And I think that's really a, a major role of a theologian, to foster those three elements. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, when I was um, uh, coming up through through the academic um, ranks, even going back to my undergraduate days, there were there was a lot of debate about whether or not theologians really do have a responsibility to um, mm-hmm. uh, to their to their bishop, to the church, or um, and and sometimes those debates were were pitted in terms of academic freedom versus um, mm-hmm. fidelity and, and witness. Um, do you do you see those two as as? And, and I should give a little context here. Part of this was the <laughs> the ex corte ecclesiae um, was was on the scene in um, um, sort of the early part of my college years, and then when I was in, in graduate school, I think it was um, the, um, uh, the the bishops made a um, an interpretation of the American bishops of, of what ex corte ecclesia means for um, American Catholic universities. But how, how do you how do you think about the relationship between uh, academic freedom and uh, fidelity of witness in in your role as a theologian? So I you know I see it as theologians um, themselves are not the ultimate custodians of the truths of the faith. We help um, expound them, um, but we're at the service of the church. And so the ultimate custodians of the truth of the faith, uh, that role belongs to the bishops, Mm -hmm. the magisterium, the bishops who hold the teaching office of the church and are led by the Holy Spirit in a special way as successors of the apostles. Mm -hmm. And so theologians, I think theologians can be led by the Spirit, uh, but not entirely on their own. It's always in the context of a larger community, the church. And so theologians assist the bishops. They're in the service of the bishops in the larger church with the goal of fostering a deeper understanding of God and therefore love of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so the role of theologians is to um, to be of service, to help explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but theologians are not the ultimate custodians of the truths of the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that role, that job lies on the bishops. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see, Dr. Glicksman, as, as the most pressing um, challenges face, facing theologians today, 
um, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe uh, facing theologians because they're facing the church. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure how you mm-hmm. would, how you would parse that. But what, what do you see as the most press, pressing ways in which theologians have a responsibility to uh, to serve mm-hmm. our church in this day and age? I think, um, I think it's very important in our day and age, and really in every age, for theologians to have a fervent prayer life. So to do theology on one's knees, so to speak, um, to read the Bible daily. And, and so what this means is to root one's life in communication with God. God speaks to us through the scriptures. God speaks to us through our prayer life with him. And really to make a conscious effort to live the faith. I think that the best way to teach the faith is to actually live it. You can't authentically give the faith if you don't live the faith. Mm-hmm. Right? That's kind of a, a motto that I try to abide by. Mm-hmm. If I'm not living it, I can't give it. It's not authentic. And, um, you know, my students, I know, you know, students can see through inauthentic teaching, right? If you're not um, yeah. living it, they, they know that, you know, that, what you're saying is going to fall on deaf ears. Well, you know, um, I, 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 I think that is such a, a great point, and I'm, I'm cutting in here just a little bit, and I apologize yeah. for that because we're our time sure. is winding down, and I do think it's a really good idea just to say a couple of things about Father Dennis, um, who is a longtime Cistercian monk, longtime professor of theology at the University mm-hmm. of Dallas, and and I, I knew him a little bit, but but I suspect you knew him quite a bit better, Dr. Glicksman. And and would would you like to uh, share a, a few Un- remarks? Unfortunately, I did not know him all that well. Um, so I was a student at UD, but I never had a course with him. I this is a really a real hole in my education at UD. I didn't have either of the sister. I didn't have Father Rock, and I didn't have Father Dennis. Mm-hmm. Um, not on purpose. I just didn't yeah. didn't come up. Um, but I did have a few encounters with Father Dennis um, when I came back as uh, a teacher, right, as a professor, mm-hmm. um, and just what a wise man, what a, a you know um, a great. This is a great loss yeah. for not only our university but also uh, for the church. But but yeah. you know to keep it positive, he he left a lot of great work behind, um, including many monks his, that he that he, he, he yes. helped, helped encourage <laughs> the monk, into yeah. the into the monastery. Yes, of course, he was a great, yes, a great monk. Exactly, he's left such a legacy behind the monks, but also his um, his theological work on scripture mm-hmm. is yeah. it's it's um, so um, rich, and it's going to take um, biblical theologians generations to unpack what he's left behind. Well, thank, um, thank you for that, so, Dr. Glicksman, and thank you so yeah. much for your, your generosity in, in coming on and spending some time with us. And-